Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances, but most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif. Executive Producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, We are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, bonjour. In Spain, hola. In Italy, ciao. In Egypt, athen wasalan. In Ghana, akwaba. In Nigeria, peleo. In South Africa, saobona. In Senegal, nangadef. In Kenya, jambo. In Israel, shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, assalamu alaikum. Greetings. And may peace be upon you all. Grand Rising, and thank you for joining us on this Thursday edition of the Female Solution Global Radio TV show. And we're about to join Dr. Debbie Green with Soulful Solutions. From Dr. Debbie Green. Tune in to Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear great topics and stories on grief and turn it into victory. Join Dr. Debbie Green to listen to stories of triumph and learn how to overcome. You are not alone in your life, and there is hope in the darkest hour. This is your time to learn strategies and solutions to improve your life. It's your time. So join Dr. Debbie Green with Soulful Solutions and call in on Thursday at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at 515-605-9325 with comments and questions. Look to hear from you real soon.
been in a situation where you have experienced a parent that abused alcohol or became an alcoholic? Have you ever known someone who has been in that situation where they lived with an alcoholic and yet, knowing the horrors of it, became an alcoholic? What about a woman who was verbally abused by her mother and then she turns around and abuses her children? This is what is called invisible loyalties. One becomes the very thing that they hate the most from the outside influences through emotional attachment and human contact with environmental influences. Well, Dr. Debbie Green is going to join us to help us learn more about this critical topic and strategies to to understand and eliminate any attachment you may be dealing with known or unknown as invisible loyalties. It's said often that the abused becomes the abuser. And when something that is abusive is made normal to you. That is what you have learned. Children learn what they live. So Dr. Debbie Green is going to give us more about those invisible loyalties. Grand Rising, Dr. Debbie Green. Good morning, Grand Rising, Grand Rising, Grand Rising. Wow, what a, what a, what a day. We, we are embarking on a new month. Because I'm already in Friday. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, we are. In, yes, yes, right. Yes, I'm already in Friday. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, good morning, Naima. How are yes. you? I am fantastic. <laughs> Grateful to be That's living awesome. life on yes. this side of the dirt. Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. That's it. Like, if, a, if a friend of mine said, I ain't pushing up daisies yet. <laughs> you know, under the ground, you're pushing up those daisies. He said, no, not yet. I'm not pushing up daisies yet. He said, I'm still here. I said, okay, okay. Yes. Awesome, awesome. But we have a wonderful topic uh, this morning. Um, and this topic came to me uh, per one of my uh, patients, actually. Um, and because we were dealing, we were actually talking about this all week mm. since Monday. And I'm like, Okay, let me go ahead and just introduce this to the world, you know, because I'm, I'm sure someone knows about it, but they may not know what it is. So yes. I just kind of broke it down to uh, so people can really understand it, you know what I'm saying, understand invisible loyalty. So, you know, when we hear that word loyalty, we're thinking loyalty, someone's loyal towards us, so we're loyal to someone else. Well, uh, it is an influencer. Mm. That's what it is. It's an mm. influencer because we are a product of our childhood as well as our, our current environment yeah. and also other people's current environments and their their childhood. Yeah. So whatever they actually experience and their forefathers, and it keeps going on, you know, because we're still in that emotional addiction stage like mm. we were talking about last week. Yeah. So this is just another piece, Naima, that goes on this. Um, and 
I, I did want to leave this out because, uh, you know, I really wanted people to understand that you are not what was created in you. Mm. Mm. Okay? That's important. Though. You are not what was created in you. A lot of times what we do, we relive lives. Yes. We, live, we relive past lives of other people. Yes. And, and we are consciously... Consciously, we don't know because sometimes it's a unconscious state of mind. An yeah. unconscious state of mind is when things happen to us, uh, through us, are around us, and we become that very thing that we despise. Ooh. Yes. Um, yeah. So... Um, to break that down, um, it's called, again, invisible loyalty. So I want to give a definition to that. Mm-hmm. And so that you can um, best understand it. Okay. So the invisible loyalties are the biological and psychological um, and also physiological transference of different actions, emotions, characteristics of your attachment influencers, mm. which is your parents or whoever whoever you grew up around. Mm. But not just grew up around, whoever impacted mm. your life. Yes, could be even and classmates. Ages, I, I'm sorry, I was going to say, it could even be classmates, perhaps, you know, your peers. Well, it could be, it could be, but these influencers are... Um, Emotional impactment. Ah, so it's I like, uh, what, what? For example, uh, I gave an example on my uh, on my skit there when I was writing. Um, it is like a woman that was, uh, you know, verbally assaulted by her her mother when she was a child. Then she then becomes that person she hates the most. Yeah, and she's doing it to her children. Yeah. Or, or a, a young boy that was um, influenced by his father's his father's alcoholism, mm-hmm. and and he says, "Oh, I'll never become that." But then he, he also becomes, becomes the one that's addicted to the alcohol. You see what I'm saying? So those yeah. those are what they call invisible loyalties. It's just that what you you become the thing, you become you the hate. thing that you despise the most. Uh, but that's just one side of invisible loyalty. There's also another side of it is is that when we feel in depth in depth uh to uh, a loved one or someone that might have passed on as well as someone that is still living. Like, you know, I never satisfied them, I lived I never lived up to their expectations. So you know, in my life, I want to relive their life to prove to them that I am, you know, say that I love them. I, I know that sounds um, a bit odd, but it's especially real, if somebody know, was saying, dysfunctional. People don't live for themselves; they live for other people. Wow, wow, that that is that. You know, I can think of many instances where people had an alcoholic parent, and they would say, I'll never be like that. And then they get to a point in life, and they start to drink, and then their drinking becomes the way they handle stress, and then they're always stressed, and the next thing you know, they become that person that they said they'd never be like. 
what happens the reason why people can't stop themselves or see themselves becoming what they hate? Like as you say, what happens that they do it subconsciously anyway? Well, it's uh, it's more of a self-conscious thought mm-hmm. than it is a conscious thought. Our self-conscious is, I, I call it, a, it's our Rolodex, our store area. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We store everything there. Memories are stored there. Experiences, circumstances, situations are stored there in, in that area. Um, and those emotions of is also stored there, but the, the issues, from those experiences, far as, you know, that's stored in the heart. It's the issues I developed from those memories, from those consequences. I'm still carrying in my heart. So we are tripod beings, Naima. Your body, you know, we are are spirit, we are mind, body, and soul. So all of our areas are experiencing trauma. It's not just your mind, because every traumatized event comes through the senses. Yeah. It comes through the eyes. It comes through the ears. It's in the perception of a person, right? So the thing about this is if you if you can think about listen just imagine somebody's training you, right? And you you get trained by listening and watching. Listening and watching. You know? But you're not writing got anything down. You're just listening and watching. Mm-hmm. And then you get it. Like it becomes innate to you because you've been listening and watching for a period of time. All right, so that's the memory, which is called a repetitive cycle, like we spoke about in the past. When it's a repetitive cycle of things, it becomes a repetition. When it it becomes a repetition, it becomes a habit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in the back of the mind, which is called the subconscious mind, I'm going to refer to it as the autopilot. In the back of the mind, it is already trained from this experience. So if there's ever a trigger from that area, triggers are the things that come from the outside in that stimulate that back of the mind experience, okay, automatically, automatically, that person is going to trigger because Mm -hmm. it's, it's attached to that memory. You see what I'm saying? So when it's attached to that memory, then here comes an action. You see what I'm saying? The action mm-hmm. comes. So the question that you asked me, how can someone become something that they don't want, that they, they, they don't want to experience, first, again, it's an automatic experience, right? So mm-hmm. if they have, if if they have a awareness, like I am aware of myself emotionally, I am aware of myself mentally, I'm aware of myself physically, what I am doing, what mm-hmm. I am saying, how I am saying it. How am I feeling that? Okay, if that person is, is all of those things, all right, then they're going to notice, oh, I'm just like my dad. Mm. I don't want to be like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't want to be like that. And then they take a drink and find out that that drink, you know, leads on to another drink, leads on to another drink. Then the addict realizes that some... I said to add it because it's down the line. Yeah. Wait a minute. I'm I'm becoming the the thing. If you realize, I'm becoming the thing thing that I hate hate the most. Yes. And that's just in dealing with addiction, as far as alcoholism, substance abuse, drug activity. But then there's also 
remember I told you, other addiction was the emotional addiction. Yeah. You know, that comes with verbal abuse. That comes with uh, domestic violence, family violence. Most people who have, uh, who are, are what is said, acting out in some type of family violence has, often, has been exposed to family violence mm. at some given point. You've been exposed to it, whether it's verbal, physical, sexual, you know, emotional, you've been exposed to it. So, uh, again, because it's innate, it's inside of you. It's literally inside of you because it came to your senses. So yeah. if it's inside of you, then what happens is that you will start responding this way, whether you realize or not. Again, if you have self-awareness, I'm aware of what I'm doing, then you will catch yourself in doing it and then change those patterns. Can a person change those? Can a person change those patterns without help, without counseling, uh, without some kind of guidance? Because apparently, they're operating on a subconscious level, not even realizing they've become that thing until they're already in it. So, right. what kind of help do they need to come out of that compulsive behavior? Well, it depends on if it's mild, moderate, or severe. Mm. If it's mild. If it's mild, mild means like, oh, wow, you know, oh, no, I am not going to be like them. Okay, and and that's the, we draw the line in the sand, right? Mm-hmm. That I, I am not going to do that, all right? And they stay diligent with that. They make a commitment to it. Okay, you're right, and we've seen that before. We've seen people who, who had all of this trauma in their life, and then they came out, and they become very productive citizens, yeah. right? Okay, but then we also saw the opposite. We saw the opposite of moderate and, and severe. Moderate is like, you know, I become this thing and I don't know how to handle it, but I'm still, you know, trying and struggling in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not knowing that really and truly I need to get help, but I think I can deal with it. I don't want, uh, you know, I don't want I don't want to tell anybody about it. I, I just, you know, want to deal with it. I'm just going to struggle in it, you know, continually. Until I can't struggle anymore, of course, then I'm going to become severe at that point. And when I become severe, then that's when I, I no longer am myself. I don't mm. even know who I am anymore because I've lost my identity. I became something that I hated. Mm. That happens. Invisible lawyers are just that deep. They are, uh, and they can, you can come out of it if you have, again, self-awareness and make a commitment to yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you can't do that, then you definitely need to seek it. You need to seek help yes. so that you can. Um, like, for example, um, I have a uh, a patient that's been truly tra- traumatically uh, affected by her mother's needs, which is her mother, uh, you know, put her up for adoption, and she later on found her. And she still did not treat her like a, a mother would treat a child. So, which means that trauma became so severe to the point where she couldn't even function, you know, to properly raise her children. You see what I'm saying? And she didn't, she didn't it's like it affected her life to the point where she didn't know how to even react to her children emotionally at all. I've seen cases because like that. She, she didn't have that. You've seen cases like that? And I'm wondering if, especially when it comes to mothering, 
people think there's a mother instinct, but really mothering has to be learned and experienced. And I've seen maybe situations where a couple of different generations of mothers would pass down bad mothering to the next generation. Maybe they were women who had been abused, and so they were abusive to their children. They lacked the capacity to express affection. Uh, They were very violent and punitive. They were verbally abusive. And the children from those mothers, many of them developed addictions, uh, were abusive in their own relationships, were violent in their own relationships. And then, of course, they produced children, and they subjected their children to the same abuse they received. And so their children grew up in dysfunctional families where the, the, the mother lacked the capacity to show affection. There was alcoholism or drug addiction, verbal abuse. So, I mean, I've, I've seen families where there have been maybe two, three, maybe four generations of that same behavior, and because each generation experienced that, as far as they know, it was normal behavior, even though they hated it, even though, you know, each generation might say, well, I will never treat my child the way my mother treated me, and then they turn around and do it. You know, they become the parent that's always hitting the child, and, and, and you know, they become the parent that, you know, will will get drunk and zone out and, and leave the child to fend for themselves in terms of meals and things like that. I mean, just, you know, abuse, neglect, verbal abuse, you know, all these things. And, and of course, these are people who, because that behavior was made to seem normal, they never considered counseling. And, you know, sometimes culturally, you know, our people just will not get counseling for right. some reason. It's like, you know, suck yeah. it up, you know, hide it in, in, in religion. And these might be families that just is abusive but will go to church and, you know, all kinds of the the appearance of spirituality. And then in the homes you have all this hell going on. And then they'll go to church and blame the devil and say, oh, the devil got my son. And Yeah, but how are you talking to your You raise your son, call him all kind of names, and you're surprised that he's an alcoholic now? You're surprised that he's in drugs? I mean... You know, I'm watching this, and, you know, just how is it that people don't see the pattern of their own behavior in damaging their children? Why don't, why don't, why don't they see it? Because it's unconscious. It's unconscious. It's not conscious. Conscious, like eyes wide open, I see, I hear, I know what I'm doing. Consciously, it's all autopilot. They live, they're living subconsciously. I know that sounds mm. odd, but it's very true. Mm-hmm. They live uh, unconsciously. They're not. They're not making uh, present decisions. It's just based upon thought process. You know what I mean? Pattern okay, of like, patterns for of behavior. example, like questions. Patterns of behavior, right? Mm. Like, like invisible loyalties, and this may also answer your question as well. It's like, uh, like these questions are usually. Uh, answered or asked, as I said, um, who held the power in your primary relationships you witnessed as a child, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that 
right there, like it's saying your father or your mother, whoever the primary, whoever the power in inside of the, the you know, your up, like your household, mm-hmm. that person is who you're going to duplicate, whoever held the power. Mm. Whoever held the power is who you're going to duplicate. And then it's like, and how was the power used? Was it used to uh, demean? Was it used to mm. control, you know? How was the power used? Mm. Okay, and the next question is, how were feelings treated? Like, how wow. was the, after the power was used, how was the, the feelings treated? Like, were they ignored? Were they told not to feel? Were they told not to exist? You know what I'm saying? Or were they aware? You know, yeah, I see you. You know, I, I see you. I know that you feel it. But, I mean, were they handled correctly? Um, did you see affection between the people? Like the one that was holding the power and the one wasn't? Mm-hmm. Was there any affection between them? Because if there wasn't, then it was one of those households where somebody was ruled by iron hands. And there was no uh, flexibility to feel. There was no flexibility to say anything. Even if you didn't agree with it, there was no flexibility there at all. Nobody wanted to know what you had to say. Or if you did have something to say, if it wasn't said the way they wanted to say it, then you are wrong or you may get reprimanded for it. Uh, Were there any um, problems solved or was problems just left unsolved? Mm. You know, did you, when, did you have a problem in as you were growing up that no one seemed to take seriously? They just ignored it. Mm. And the last question was, was there any open communication? Because mm. if there wasn't any open communication, that means there was a household full of suppressed emotions. Mm. So everybody suppressed because no one communicated. Because the only way to prevent suppressed emotions is to communicate. You know, open open form of saying, I feel this, I think that. And if no one, again, if there's no, there was no open communication allowed in your household, then you grew up in a suppressed household and there's a good chance when you went to school you were suppressed. As you grew up, you continued to be suppressed. Mm-hmm. And before you realize it, you are then, again, still under the same power that you were when you were a child, mm. even though that time has passed. So how does a child, or maybe I guess an adult now, once you get through childhood, how do you recognize when what you were experiencing in childhood was not healthy? And I ask that because most people who are living in Households where maybe there was no affection, there was no uh, positive reinforcement. They don't know what they're missing. They just know the effects of it. If maybe they had a stern mother or a stern father that was, uh, you know, maybe calling themselves showing tough love, but was never uh, affectionate or or even kind or loving, it's always just this disciplinarian, always criticism. And I'm, I mean, I've known people where they think this parenting style is good because it teaches a child how to be tough and self-reliant. You know, they believe that. And they don't know when it has crossed the line to 
emotional abuse because that's how they were raised. And they may they may have succeeded career-wise or business-wise because they worked hard, you know, trying to prove their mother or father wrong who said, oh, you'll never be anything, you're good for nothing. So they're, they're working against the, the put-down of the parents who raised them and made them feel bad. And, and, you know, they've got all the personality disorders that come from that, but they don't see it. And then when they reproduce it in their own children, they don't see that that is a problem and how they're destroying their child because there's nothing maybe to compare that environment to. Maybe they didn't spend time in a friend's home where the mother was loving and and hugging them and, you know, giving them affection and, and praise, you know, or the father was kind and spent time with them and, you know, help them with homework or whatever the case may be. Maybe they didn't see a contrast, so they believed what they were living, as abusive as it may have been, was a normal way of life, and they don't see the, the, the tie between that and maybe some of the personality traits that they have that make them unbearable for people to be around or to, for them to sustain a loving relationship. So how, how does a person who grows up in that scenario recognize that that isn't the way it should be, that isn't the environment, that's not a healthy environment for a child. How do they How do they learn that if that's all they knew? And that's what they've become. Well, you, you, right. You talked about several things and you asked several questions, so I'll just start at the beginning. When you were saying the overachiever, the overachiever is the person that was, that grew up in a home and, did not get the love, did not get the attention, did not get the pat on the shoulder saying, you know, oh, you did a great job. No, it was never enough to, to the caretakers. Mm-hmm. It was never enough that, that you made the A, even though you struggled with it, you know, to make it, but it was never enough for them. They said, well, make another A, you know what I'm saying? So it was, it was never enough, so they become overachievers. Mm-hmm. Overachievers is where, you know, I feel I have to be successful so that I can take care of myself because I don't want anyone else taking care of me because of what I've already been through. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? I don't want anyone to be, uh, you know, uh, what they said, I don't want to rely on anyone. Let me mm-hmm. say it like that. I don't rely on anyone, and I don't want to accept help from nobody, period. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and this is the way they live their lives. But unfortunately, when it comes time that they really need some help, they won't ask. So mm-hmm. they start avoiding people. They start self-sabotaging. Um, and that causes a problem. So in the other cases that you said, like, you know, when they are kind of living this life and may not have all, again, they may be dealing with it. You know, people say, oh, I just dealt with that, you know what I'm saying? Not mm-hmm. knowing that, that that thing needs to change. It's not that you need to deal with it, you need to change it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So what they did, they, they accepted it in their life and didn't put forth any effort to come out of it. They just kind of allowed it to stay there, thinking it was a permanent, uh, you know, in their life, a permanent action, a permanent thought, or whatever. Because, again, because they're not self-aware that this is not working for me. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Because they look at, like, some people just live in dysfunction, Naima. That's, That's what they're used to. Wow. So coming out of dysfunction is odd to them. Mm. They, they don't know how to function out of dysfunction. <laughs> they don't know how to function <laughs> it out of dysfunction. It sounds weird, but it's true. Yeah. It's true. And so when you tell them, 
hey, you know, you're causing a major problem in your life. You don't want to continue to do this. They're like, they don't see okay, it. Okay. Um, they don't see it. No. And then they'll say, well, I'm comfortable here. Mm. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable here because this is all I know. Yes. I've been in dysfunction so long, I don't know how to be functional. Yeah. Don't know what you functioning know? looks like. Yeah. Don't know what it looks like. Cause it, and, then, and then they'll say the new normal. I, I just want to be normal again. Okay, I said, what is normal? I don't know. I never experienced it. Right, right. So how do you help somebody who doesn't even know what normal looks like? Because... For them, normal is the abnormal. That's that's what they know, especially if they're right. in their adults, say in their thirties. You know, you, you pretty much forties, fifties. Yeah, I mean, you are who you are yeah. at that point. So, is it possible to unlearn negative behavior and relearn positive behavior? Is is it possible to do that once you've become an adult? Yeah. And you're ingrained in your habitual thought patterns and behaviors and responses. Is it possible to unlearn that kind of negative behavior? It is. It is very possible when you have someone that's helping you identify. See, that's the difference. Mm. If you don't have anyone to help you identify these actions, these thoughts, these behaviors, uh, and you know, like all you know is that I'm living this life and nothing seems to go right. That's all you know. Right. So it's like, you know, well, I ain't never been happy. I don't know what that feels like. You know, you hear people say that. You know, I don't know what it feels like to have a, a, a good, solid relationship. Right. I don't know. You know, I mean, because of the dysfunction that right. they have in their lives. Right? right. So coming to a person that can I help them identify and understand the dysfunction. They said, when you do this, don't you receive that? Doesn't this happen? Mm, mm, okay, mm. this happens because you did this. Mm. So in order for you to change that, you have to do something else. You right. have to do the opposite of that thing. Right. And then, oh, I don't know if I can do that because I've been like this so long. I heard that so many times. Yeah. I said, no, it's just that you have to get repetition. Yes. Repetitious is when you do something over and over again. I said, that's how you got the first start in the first place. You did, mm-hmm. you saw something over and over again, but you also felt something over and over again. So then it became a, a permanent mindset, so you have to do the opposite of the thing. Right. So, for example, if I have low self-esteem and someone, uh, when I was growing up, you know, contributed to that low self-esteem, which means you might have told me, oh, you're not good enough, you're not this, you're not that, you can't get nothing right, okay, that produces a person that has low self-esteem. Right. All right, so at some given point, I want to be successful. I'm going to be successful because they always told me what I was not, so I'm going to do something to, to make myself feel good. Well, you, you should. That's for those people who are high achievers. Now, the low achiever will just soak and mold right there. Mm. They'll do but so much, but they'll never feel good enough, no matter what they do. And, you know, I want to use an example. You know, Whitney Houston was one of the most, yeah. and as far as I'm concerned, the most beautiful voice in the world. Yeah. Um, and uh, she never felt good enough. She never felt, yeah. I mean, out, out of all of these, uh, you know, people that, that you know, were there to listen Adored to her. her and everything, but inside. She was saying she never was felt, worried about never, she wasn't pretty enough, wasn't, you know. Never felt, yeah. never felt. So, 
it's a good chance that she grew up in an atmosphere that she felt she never measured up to. Because yeah. Sissy Houston, she yeah. was her mother, as well as Dionne Warwick was her, you yeah. know, family as well. Yeah. So all of these were, you know, very prestigious, yeah. uh, you know, artists. performing artists, yes. Mm. Yeah, so when, when she came along, you know, apparently she must have been in some type of area that that made her feel that, that she wasn't worthy of her gifts. And and this is something she suffered with for the duration of her life. Yeah, yeah. So that's called invisible loyalty. Yeah, I was just watching uh, earlier this morning, actually, I guess a little short interview that Oprah had done with, you know, I guess some of her family members and, and you know, the people who kind of introduced her to drugs. But you're only right. susceptible if you already are feeling bad, you know, because the drugs are to right. escape the bad feeling that you have. So if you yeah, feel well, bad, then you look for yeah. a way to, to artificially feel better. And that's a person's introduction to addiction. Because first comes the bad feeling that you're trying to escape. So... You know, everybody hearing that she would have had low self-esteem is like shocking. Like, how is it possible? I mean, you got crowds of people cheering you. How are you feeling that way? And yet, you know, and and I remember even uh, watching an interview with Michael Jackson. He talked about how his father would call him ugly and all those things. And, you know, just the whole way that they were uh, kind of, forced into entertainment at a, in a childhood age, you know, and <laughs> you better learn these steps so I got my strap ready if you miss it. I mean, it's just like, okay, this is not fun. <laughs> but all of the, the, the breakdown of uh, self-esteem for somebody who just became a just globally famous superstar like a Michael Jackson, but then... You know, you look at the surgeries and everything else to change the face because, you know, if your father's telling you you're ugly, you know, all those things, you know, it's almost like a parent can can lay such a foundation of self-contempt because of what they mm-hmm. say and their belief that they're motivating you to try harder. It, it, it just seems like it's almost insurmountable to overcome Without some deep therapy yes. to undo that damage. Yes. True. Yes. We got to take a break, uh, but we'll be back. And if you're on our switchboard now and have a comment, uh, feel free to press 1. If you're listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press 1 so that you can ask your question of Dr. Debbie as we talk about Invisible loyalties. So we'll be right back after this quick break. So we want you to stick and stay. Don't stray away. Be back in just a moment. So stay with us. Do you worry about finances, family, health, jobs, relationships? Are you in pain? Do you feel stuck? If you answered yes to any of these questions, help is available. Don't worry, you're not alone. It's part of the human process. You only feel this way because you haven't mastered the voices in your head. No hype, just down-to-earth, solid, workable tools and techniques that you can practice daily. It's really food for the soul. 
whether you want to learn how not to worry about anything, reverse type 2 diabetes, publish a book, promote your product or service, or just make extra money. To take advantage of the deal of the day, go to zeldaspeaks.com or call 312-409-6619. Mention promo code The Female Solution and get free shipping. That's zeldaspeaks.com or 312-409-6619. Stop worrying today. Visit zeldaspeaks.com. Hi, I'm Naima Latif, executive producer of the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show. We are a part of the online network of associated internet radio hosts, On Air. On Air empowers you with transformative news and interactive radio TV shows. This is such a wonderful time to be alive and to see our human family coming together as one community as a result of that powerful tool, the Internet. We can now talk directly to each other all over the world. There's no need for conflict or misunderstanding. There's no need for violence to solve our differences. We can talk to each other face-to-face until we reach an agreement. On Air offers a fantastic global guide to communicators from all over the world who are using their Internet platforms to inspire us to strive to be our best selves in order to become the kind, compassionate, loving people we were all born to be. Once we do that, we'll see planet Earth transformed into a place of peace. Subscribe to the recommended YouTube channel, Facebook pages, and podcasts created by these Voices of Enlightenment. On Air provides daily news briefs and a weekly magazine to keep you abreast of events and opportunities. On Air news affiliates in television, radio, and print share information, insight, and interviews with notable personalities. Go to onaireverywhere.com for a daily dose of uplifting news. We're on air everywhere, online all the time. I'm Viata, your holistic life coach. These days, it's more important than ever to work on your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Are you consciously breathing deeply in stressful moments? Do you have a plan or daily routine to maintain balance in your awesome body? Are you struggling to be disciplined in your eating habits? When you partner with me, I'll help you develop a personalized health plan that works for your particular lifestyle. You can find out more about me at yourholisticlifecoach.com where you can also review my three-step protocol to guide you to abundant health. That's yourholisticlifecoach.com, and I'm Viato. Have you ever dreamed of going to exotic places, meeting fascinating people, enjoying uplifting music, and spending nights in a luxurious hotel? Do you look forward to a relaxing vacation where you can walk along the beach 
or sit in a quiet park and enjoy the sunset or sunrise. Whether you're flying around the world or driving across the country, we will share travel tips that will help you stay safe while you enjoy the journey. Join me every third Saturday of the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, and move around with Deborah here on the Female Solutions Show. Call in and comment, 515-605-9325, and press 1 to speak. Welcome back, welcome back to Soulful Solutions. My name is Dr. Debbie Green with my wonderful co-host, Naima Latif, our executive producer. Uh, again, if you're just joining us, our topic today is invisible loyalties. What invisible loyalties are is when you become something from your past, from your, from your childhood, from your parental influences. So as we experience these things, we experience these things, you know, when we were uh, children, and then we become those things sometimes. And again, this is not always the case. You know, if you're consciously aware of your life, if you're consciously aware of your actions, then therefore you will not, you know, find yourself in this position. But we just, um, I wanted to really explain those things to you, because there's so many times that we do find ourselves becoming something that we despise the most. Uh, One of those things that often uh, happen is, again, when we're verbally assaulted. When we're verbally assaulted by uh, a family member, you know, such as a grandmother or mother or father, and we say, well, you know, I would never do that to my children or whatever. But then we find ourselves screaming and yelling at our children the same way. So, you know, how how could one become unconscious in that, which means not have the awareness that that really did happen. So it's, it's one of those things that as time goes on, you know, you realize that this is becoming a problem because the person that you are inflicting that upon is going to change. They, they You know, they're going to change. They're going to find themselves in a very uncomfortable position mentally, emotionally, physically, because of the actions that they have been rendered. So uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things that we, we have to be totally uh, responsible for our own actions and, and look at how things can affect our lives um, and, and make a conscious decision, is this how I want to live? Is this how... I want my children to live. Is this what I want to speak to my generation that's coming even, you know, after me? It's so many different things that that happens during these times. So I want to share something with you, Um, some research, actually uh, considering um, the, uh, you know, area of uh, invisible loyalties. Um, it It reads that research demonstrates that there are biological, physiological, psychological effects of trauma. Um, The person becomes a victim and will likely experience a rupture in his or her daily routine. Coping and adaptation patterns will be passed down to future generations. This process of passing down 
family behavior patterns is considered to be done at both conscious and unconscious levels. That was a research that was done, um, you know, when they were looking at how one is influenced or impacted by their environment and also their trauma. Um, we asked some questions earlier about how, how does this happen? You know, what, what causes this to happen? Well, trauma is transmitted actually in three different ways. It's transmitted physically as well as epigenetics, and that's through the genes, the DNA. It's also transmitted in interutero, which means when your mother was carrying you, if she, if she experienced any trauma, then that trauma will also be transferred to you. And you're like, well, wait a minute, what does that mean? That means I am going to suffer emotionally from that trauma? You will be more sensitive to that trauma if you experience it in your life. That's what it means. Like, for example, if you, if she was, uh, traumatically affected by when someone screamed at her, yelled at her, and she became very emotional, you will also feel the same way. And you say, well, doesn't everybody feel that way? If they're not necessarily. Some people, when uh, they are in a confrontation like that, they then, you know, do several things. They can, they can actually respond to it or they can shut down. It just depends. Some, when, you, when I say shut down, which means don't say anything and just walk away, or they may suppress that thought and it becomes an emotional issue. So it just depends on what and how that person relayed the trauma. Epigenetics is transferred through the DNA, through the, the bloodline, if I can say it real simple, through the bloodline. So when it comes to the bloodline, then, of course, quite naturally is going to affect you because that's what we are. We get characteristics from the bloodline. Uh, like you said, oh, you just like your daddy or you just like your mama or you did this or you did that. You see what I'm saying? Okay, those are actions and emotions that are from the bloodline. That's where it's from. But that doesn't mean that that's something you have to stay that way. I mean, you know, people label people a long time. You know, you know, we were labeled by our parents. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, your auntie might have said, oh, you look just like your mama. You know, I mean, in so many different ways a person can label another person. Uh, but, you know, for the sake of understanding, I just wanted to put this out here because the thing about this is a lot of these actions that has been experienced, you know, through epigenetics but also through uh, visible loyalties has interrupted people's lives. And it, it continues to go on. Um, uh, for, let me give you another example. You grew up in a house that had domestic violence, okay? And you might have had four siblings. Out of those four siblings, you know, it may be uh, maybe two or three that was greatly affected. You know, even yourself, right? Everybody was greatly affected. But the question is, who is going to become the batterer? Who's going to become the person that actually acts out? this particular action that they've been exposed to. It may not be you, but it might have been it might have been a brother. And those things are called, again, invisible loyalty. It's when we become the thing that we hate the most. 
and not enough. Sometimes we know it and sometimes we don't know it because it's either unconscious or consciously developed. Um, and if we can look at some mild cases, mild cases is like, you know, uh, you might have seen how you handle uh, people like an emotional that nature. You know, in your personal relationships, you might have like, you know, wow, I mean, I can't seem to really, you know, get along with people one-on-one, uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm having a hard time having a healthy relationship. Okay, so where do you think that came from? Did you come out of a pattern with a healthy relationship, first of all? Was it, was it, did you see that in your family? Did you see that in your aunties? Did you see that in your, um, you know, in some cousins or something that you grew up around? Okay, it's a good chance that, you know, that, that type of thought is still in the back of your mind not feeling that you, that you can have a healthy relationship. We are what we think, okay? So whatever we think inside, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we become. We become those things. So how do we say, well, wait a minute, Dr. Dev, so you mean to tell me that I've, been, I've become this dysfunctional person based because of what I've been experiencing? Yes, it's called impaction. Impaction is one of those things that happens when we are exposed, when we are exposed things and when we are younger, subconsciously, it is pre-recorded, okay, in our brain. And the thing about this is sometimes we know and sometimes we don't know. We don't understand and sometimes we do understand, you know, and sometimes we know it and we avoid it. There's so many ways that we deal with it or we accept it or we don't accept it. But again, you, uh, if you haven't done any self-inventory lately, you probably would not even notice it. Or you may notice it. You're like, why am I doing this? Why I keep doing this like my mom? I don't want to be like her. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Okay, well, you got to change it. And so you say, how do you change something that's been innate by repetitive action? But you first got to acknowledge it. You got you to gotta acknowledge it. Because, see, when things are transmitted, okay, they are transmitted again transmitted comes through the utero, it comes through the physics, it comes through the generational, and we, and we can still talk about these generational curses. Curses are anything that doesn't produce life, people. Okay, that thing is transmitted, right? And we know this, and addictions, addiction to drugs, addiction to alcohol, addiction to sex, addiction to all kinds of things. Mental illness is even transmitted. Certain mental illness like schizophrenia, bipolar, depression, not so much. You know what I'm saying? But at the same token, all right, knowing this, all right, you notice that if you have these issues, just don't ignore them and think that they're going to go away like this. They're not going to go poof overnight, right? No, we want to work through this stuff, right? So usually it is when it comes to psychological transmission, because I want you to, to get a good understanding with this. Psychological transmission is done when we feel totally overwhelmed by a situation, okay? Now, remember, all of this started when you were a child. How many times were you overwhelmed? How many times were you overstimulated by something you saw? How many times were you disappointed? How many times were you afraid? And you say, oh, I lost count. I don't know how many times. I don't know how many times I, I actually felt like, you know, everything was just going to fall apart or did fall apart. Okay. So if you've done it pretty often, there's a good chance 
that that is a repetitive thought which produced a repetitive action and behavior. That's exactly what it is. All right, so it's in the back of your mind. We don't call that the autopilot so you can understand. It's in the back of your mind. And so anytime you are triggered, anytime something happens in your immediate world, okay, in your reality, all right, and you are triggered, boom, here you go, back into that cycle. You see what I'm saying? Unconsciously. Unconsciously. No, it's not consciously. It's unconsciously. Unless you, unless you catch it. Now, if you catch it, okay, which means that you're totally aware, wow, this is happening, let me do something about this thing. All right, then you can change it. But if you don't catch it, then you, you don't know anything about it. Will other people see it? Absolutely. They will see it. They will say, wait a minute, uh, what's wrong? Why are you doing that? Well, you know, you know, and you be like, what? What do you mean, why I'm doing what? Because remember, you wasn't aware of it, right? And there may be something that's really problematic to you, which means causing problems in your life. So you definitely want to pay attention to that and, um, and again, ask yourself, okay, is this a problem? Is it causing me a problem? Is, is it causing me problems in my workplace? Is it causing problems with me and my family? Is it causing problems with me, you know, and myself, period? If that word is yes, then you need to do, again, some self-evaluation. Self-evaluation. Let me look at my thoughts. Let me look at, let me really, really pay attention to my actions. You know, really pay attention to my responses so that I can identify what is dysfunctional and what is functional. Okay. So once you identify, now you've got to reenact, reenact which means that, okay, I've been doing this thing for so long, now i got to change the action. Now, remember, you change the action from being one way, acknowledging it, and then turning around and then saying, okay, I can't do that anymore. I need to do this. I can't do that anymore. I need to do this. Even though your subconscious mind is triggering that, immediately, no, I can't do that. So this thing I usually use and give to my client and patients is called the power of pause. The power of pause clearly says, I am doing nothing in this moment, but I am only analyzing where I am. I'm becoming an observer, not a participant. I am becoming an observer in my life, but not a participant, because right now I'm overstimulated. I'm overwhelmed. I feel a lot of anxiety. I feel like I'm almost getting into depression or something. Thing is happening. Start observing. Start observing, which means observe yourself, observe your actions, observe your body, observe your mind, observe the feelings, the emotions. Just start observing. Right. Start analyzing. As, as you observe, start analyzing. Why am I doing this? How long have I been doing that? You know, start looking at your patterns of thought, patterns of action. What are you doing? You're changing. When you start observing, you start changing. You cannot change unless you realize what to change. And you cannot you cannot observe until you sit back and, and watch it. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's hard enough to just be in something that's dysfunctional that you didn't know that was dysfunctional because you've been living it too long. You see what I'm saying? So you think, oh, this is me. And everybody's like, 
no, you got issues. And you're like, no, nah, I don't have any issues. It ain't me. It must be you. Okay, but then one day you realize that it was your issues. You did have these issues. But the thing about this was you were not aware of it. Okay, now you are aware, right? Now you become totally aware, and this is a spiritual awareness. It's a spiritual awakening thing. Totally, totally waking up, right? Not looking at it from a regret. Oh, woe is me. I should have known this a long time ago. No, you react right in your moment. Now the moment becomes surreal. Then you're going to take it seriously, right? You're going to take it seriously. Then you're going to look at your life, and you're going to then change what you need to change about you. You can't change everybody else, okay? No one, you can't. It's impossible to change other people. You can't change them. You may can influence them. You may can direct them. You may even can guide them, but you can't change them. I mean, I'm a mental health therapist and been one for a long time, and I often tell people, I said, I can't change you. you got to change yourself. I can give you the tools, you know. I can give you the tools so you can change yourself. But you have to make that conscious decision to come out of the old mindset and create the new one. Because you are the what was, you are the what is, and the what's coming to be. Every one of us the same way. What was is in your past, whether it's trauma, whether it's abuse, crisis, loss, whatever it is, that is what was. What was is time ticking. Okay, five minutes ago is what was. So what am I saying to you? You cannot be a product of your past. You can only strive to be a product of your future by being a product of your present. Okay. Present moment clearly said, I am aware. That's all. I'm aware of me, just me. I'm aware of what I'm going through. I don't want these invisible lawyers that I suffer with, with my family, uh, with my, uh, you know, my upbringers. Because we know mother and father didn't always raise their children. It might have been grandmother. It might have been this. It might have been that. Whoever raised you, you ask yourself a question. Was it dysfunctional? Did it make you feel some kind of way? Well, did it make you feel like you were overpowered? Did you did you find peace in it? If there was no peace, that's a good chance that it wasn't in period. Okay, long story short, you can't relive the past. You cannot relive the past. The only thing you can do is live in your present moment. I always tell people, live moment to moment. You feel overwhelmed by life? Live moment to moment. Not day by day. That's too long. That's too much space for you. Live moment to moment. Moment to moment clearly says, I am present of me in this moment. I am I am consciously aware of me in this moment. In this moment, I own me in this moment. Even though all may going on around me, even though things may feel like they're tearing me down, but guess what? They can't own my moment because it belongs to me. God gave it and God he created it just for me. We call it a present, is it not? The present day is just the present day. The question is, did you open it or not? Oh, wait a minute. If I open it, it's empty? Oh, yes. That's because... God doesn't know how you want to live, okay? He just gave you the present for you to determine. So, again, 
we don't want to relive the invisible loyalties of the past, right? Don't live your trauma. Don't be your trauma. Don't breathe, eat, sleep your trauma. What, what good will it do for you? It's not going to benefit you to do so. It's not going, it, only, it, it only slows you down in life. It doesn't speed you up. It slows you down. How will one get slowed down? By experiencing the same things over and over again. <laughs> over and over again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just give my views and my listeners to pep talk. And uh, that, that's our goal. Our goal is to, to increase mentally and expound spiritually every that's single moment of the day. That's moment the Moment to moment, moment to moment, moment to moment. Yeah. I, don't, I don't live any other way. I don't live day by day. I live moment to moment. Well, you know, that that's, uh, for those who've ever uh, been part of a recovery program, such as maybe, uh, you know, AA or something, but really there's some wisdom in that. Because if you're worrying, then you're living in the future that hasn't happened yet, and you're anticipating something negative. And if you're depressed, then you're living in the past of something that made you sad. And so you're living that, and that has already happened. So it's not happening again unless you keep bringing it back. So the wise thing is to live moment to moment. It's to it's to experience the present of the present. And to enjoy, because joy is a choice. And for people who are living in anger over something that happened, you have to ask yourself, why are you choosing to relive an unpleasant experience when it is gone? No, That person is not hurting you anymore. Now you're hurting yourself because the person can only hurt you, hurt you once. But you pull up the memory and re-hurt yourself. They're not doing that to you. You're doing that to yourself. And so I think the process of unlearning that habitual response of reliving and remembering and rehashing something painful, that's the challenge that we have, is realizing Mm -hmm. reliving it isn't going to make it hurt any less. It's just going to make you (laughs) re-hurt. Why are you doing that? Right, right. And for the sake of uh, I I want to... um, actually give some information on alcoholism because this is one of the transference uh, that is major, you know. Mm. Um, and, I mean, all yeah. of it is very critical, and but it's major. so common. Yeah. we got to take another quick break. And, uh, and we've got a, a caller on the line that has raised her hand. And we'll be right back. And if you have a question for Dr. Debbie, we want you to call in, 515-605-9325. Make sure you press Come 1. On now. Light your number up on the switchboard. <laughs> if you're on our switchboard now, uh, press 1 so that we know you have something to say or ask. And if any of these situations she describes sounds like you or someone you know and love, feel free to call in and maybe get some advice on how best to respond. We'll be right back. We have an opportunity to transform the whole global society in the next 50 years. 50 years from now, the earth will be populated by a new generation of adults, many of whom are yet unborn. Our mission is to nurture them in childhood with love, guidance, and protection, and to raise them in healthy, happy families. If we impart values 
of compassion, generosity, and respect for fellow human beings in the next generation of children, they will create a world where people can live together in peace. This is our goal. Be a part of the transformation. Get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. Go to www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. to take charge of your health. I'm Viata, your Holistic Life Coach, and every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, I'm here on The Female Solution to empower you to make choices that will assist your evolution to abundant health. I'm also blogging every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time at Soul Purpose Healing, where I bring you a spiritual chiropractic adjustment to bring you back into alignment with our Creator's love, compassion, and wisdom. Join me every Friday morning at 8 a.m. and Sunday evening at 8 p.m. for a time of unity, enlightenment, and love vibration. Shalom. Shalom, grand rising. Yeah. You know, uh, spiritual things are foolish to the carnal mind. It is written in the Black History Bible book, whose hero is a woolly-haired man with bronze-colored feet to match his bronze-colored face. You must be born again. Answering the question, who raised you, is important. Uh, and and when you think about that, your environment and all the people that were in it the first four years of your life when your subconscious brain was educated, and that is the brain that will be in you forever because you get 80% of all your information during those first four years of life. Your environment raised you. 
It's, and, mm-hmm. and every in that environment influenced your raising. When you think about it, you don't own anything but your name and your mother gave that to you. And so identity, who am I? You know, when I had a class as a certified Montessori educator, I had a class of 18 two-year-olds and one assistant. And bringing yourself up to the level of a child was so uh, beautiful, a wonderful experience, because the children hadn't been polluted. And they taught me something. We uh, observed Kwanzaa. And uh, I was trying to uh, wisdom and, and, and truth, but I was saying, we give spiritual gifts. And the children kept saying, spirit gifts. And I kept mm. saying, spiritual, which is an adjective that describes the noun gift. I kept saying, spiritual. And they looked, they wanted to please me so much because they loved me with all their little hearts and minds and souls until tears started to bud up in their eyes. I said, whoa, I gotta step back. And they kept saying spirit gifts. And when I thought about it, it is gifts of the spirit. It is not gifts of the spiritual world. Mm. I said, that is why it's written, out of the mouth of babes comes perfected praise. They had it right, and I had it wrong. And children are so much our superior. I guess that's why it's written in that Black History Bible book, to uh, you must bring uh uh, and a little child shall lead you, but you have to educate that little child in the righteous way in which they should go. And we don't. And when they get exposed to scribble scrabble, like one of my three year olds said, uh, that's not my work, that's scribble scrabble. I said, Oh, I'm thinking, where did that word? Scribble scribble come from. He had been exposed to an older child who mm. also was helping to educate them. And the older child is, had told them, oh, that's nothing, that's scribble scribble. So I couldn't let this child uh, go through a life with a, a feeling of re- self-rejection. This was his work. And Maria Montessori always said, you've got to call it work because um, – Play to a child is like work to an adult. So we yes. were not allowed to say it wasn't their work. So I said to him, oh, no, that isn't Scribble Scrabble. Isn't that you at your birthday party? And he said, yeah. I said, and, and is that your birthday cake over there? Yeah. And who <laughs> is that? That's my friend. It was on a, on a big wheel. And, oh, I said, see, I told you. You're going to interpret all that, huh? <laughs> so that's what I mean. Every-
everything is educating us, is influencing us during those first four years of life. Subject, I appreciate uh, you having it because we really need to stop, look, and especially listen because these little children can can teach you a lot. But we are always doing the telling and the sitting. And like you said last week, shut up, sit down, 80% of all that you've ever heard. Uh, Shut up, sit down, don't do this and don't do that. And your face should light up because children are gifts from God sent to earth so people can smile. Every time you see one. Yes. Why don't your face light up? Yes. And and in in conclusion, uh, haven't you heard the expression, treat me like a child? Well, if you don't want to be treated like a child, who you must become like, then there's something wrong with the way you are treating children because if you were treating them right, it would be your greatest pleasure to be treated like a child. That was profound, Mom. That was profound. Just think about how that is insulting to people. You treat me like a child. So how are we treating our children if that's the worst thing you can do is treat someone like a child? That's a that's a testimony to the fact that we are treating our children badly. We're demeaning them. We're we're talking down to them and making we're insulting them. They're, we're we're talking to them like they're stupid. We're we're criticizing what they do. Like like you say that that uh, child was told they were just scribble scrabble. So to be treated like a child means to be treated with disrespect. There in that very expression lets us know how we're treating children. And if this is the way we're treating our children, we're seeing it as normal to treat children badly. Thank you so much, Mama D. That was so profound. And I really hope that we can grasp that reality, that the the wounds that we create are right in childhood. And we think it's normal to treat children badly. That's the problem. We believe that this is how children are supposed to be treated. And this is where all of the, the suffering starts is in childhood. So what if we stop treating children badly? Could we actually eliminate all of the emotional problems that adults have if they had no bad childhood memories? What do you think about that, Dr. Debbie? Uh, it, could we really yeah. not create the problems if we just treated our children well? Absolutely, but I'm going to tell you right now, pain brings trans, it, it brings on change. Mm. And and it also produces stress. So we would not, I mean, what I'm saying is we, we would love to have the perfect childhood, which is, in my means, not possible. I don't believe there is a perfect childhood um, because there's not a perfect thing in this world. So, I mean, for children to grow up, oh, I'm just the perfect little person, you know what I'm saying? And here comes the world. they got to deal with this imperfection. So then they compare that to what they think. You see what I'm saying? And that that actually is traumatizing in itself. But, I mean, to, for a child to experience abuse, crisis, any type of uh, demoralization, any any type of, uh, you know, uh, put down, uh, to say it simply, any type of put down, no, they should not experience that in their childhood. But mm-hmm. we know that 
mental pressure, mental pain, emotional pain, creates some of the strongest human beings. It does. It creates strength. I have a it question. It creates strength. So it does. I can't say it doesn't have its perfect fit in the world because that's not true. Well, I have a question. Uh, you, know, you know the saying, whatever doesn't kill you will make you stronger. <laughs> but the thing yeah. is, it could also kill you. Um, I, I have a question, just a memory of when I was raising my child, and I had some other fellow, other family members around observing, you know, something simple. My daughter asked for a banana. I said, oh, okay, here, you can have a banana. And a family member said, you just give her everything she wants, don't you? I said, well, why not? Oh, you're just going to spoil her. She's, she's going to think that she's supposed to have everything she wants in life. That's not how you raise a child. You have to tell them no sometimes. And I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking, so I should deny her something that I have that she's asked for that isn't harmful to her just so that she can know what it feels like not to have? Why would that be a good thing if what I want to instill in her is, first of all, that I'm a loving parent that would not, deny her something just just so that she could know what it feels like not to have it. And I remember uh, an explanation that Jesus was giving as he was explaining to his followers and, you know, his disciples and everything about prayer. You know, who would who would ignore their child's plea for something if they asked? Of course, if you, if you ask and ask, you're going to get it, you know, because you're asking from someone who loves you. So that was my thought in terms of, you know, the things that you deny your child is because it's something that would be harmful to them in some way. But if it's something that they want and there's no harm in it, why would we have the mindset that as a good parent I should just tell them no sometimes just so that they know they're not, they're not going to get everything they want? Because that's a, that's a very common belief about parenting, a very common um, response to parents who were raised that way where sometimes their parents just said no just so that they wouldn't be so-called spoiled. I don't agree with that idea of, you, you, you know, you spoil a child if you give them everything they want because if you're giving something that isn't harmful, it's not harming you to give it, it's not creating stress for you to give it, it's something that is good for them in the, in the long run or could add to their well-being, what would be the purpose of saying no just to give them the experience of feeling denied? What are your thoughts on that? Well, well, there's several ways to look at that, Naima. The thing about this is you got needs, you have wants, and you have desires, mm -hmm. okay? A need is, is based upon the well-being and the self-preserving, you know, human way of doing things. Like, I need water, I need food. I need shelter, you know, things of that nature. Um, and then you have the wants. The wants are, are, are optional. Optional, mm -hmm. like, you know, well, you know, you have some parents say, well, you know, you may want a new pair of shoes, but you don't need a new pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Because you got seven over here, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So um, if a parent gives uh, a child everything it asks for without helping them to understand the reason why they're giving it. Like, okay, independence, what we call interdependence. Mm -hmm. Like, if, you know, if, if the parent is constantly giving, 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 but not actually 
creating a um, a paradigm of structure in the giving, mm-hmm. then it's going to cause a rift later on because that, that person, which is the child, is going to think that, you know, people, not just the parent, but people, should give them what they asked for because they've never been refused that, right? Mm-hmm. So refusement, like if you, if you tell somebody, so, okay, I refuse to give you this because I believe there, there should be an appraisal in a reward system in giving. But that's just because I've seen adolescents have gotten so, you know, where they've gotten what people call spoiled. Spoiled just means that I expect people to, to cater to I me. Ask them to do mm-hmm. And cater to me, right? So when, when that's not done, then it takes my control system away. When it takes my control system away, then I feel some kind of way. I became I became angered. I became uh, you know I became like oh you don't love me anymore. So I became I feel like I'm abandoned. I feel like I'm separated or divided from you because you're not giving me the control that I had from all the other yeses that you told me about. Mm-hmm. Right. So if they're not corrected with that and they just expect that all the time. Again, they're going to grow up in that mindset. They're going to grow up in that mindset of expecting things to be the way they want them to be and to control what they want to control, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and that may not be the case. So, and because they're going to soon find out that life does not give you everything that you want, okay? Neither does people, you know? And uh, don't don't get upset about it. Don't get a tantrum about it because most of the time they do. That's what we call children that are small. They get tantrums, you know, when they can't get what they want because they've always given what they want. Mm. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I can understand that. And I, I, I definitely see the difference between... But it's not refusal. Right. It's not refusal, which means if you, if you choose to give your children what they ask or what they request, Please give it to them in a way that's structured, and also give, let them know. Okay, all right. You you ask, like for example, you ask for five pieces of candy, but guess what? Every time you ask for it, I always give you five pieces of candy. But one day, I can't give it to you, right? And it's mm-hmm. not when you started that off when they were four years old, giving them that five pieces of candy. So they start asking you for something else, and ask you for something else, but you said he's giving it to them, right? So one day in their later years, let's say about 16 years old, that they ask you for something that you cannot give. And then they're angry. Okay, and, oh, they're going to get angry because they're used to you doing everything for them. That's called enablement. So I think so it what... starts with the smallest details. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, it starts with the smallest things and then it grows into the larger things because the mind doesn't always know the difference. That's why you have you when you do it, it has to be an appraisal, a rewarding, and also reprimand and direct it if you're going to give them. I'm giving this because of this, and it's going to do this. But don't expect to always get this. You know, and between siblings, there's a lot of times that, that, that becomes problematic as well. Because one parent may do one thing for a sibling, but may not do for the other. And, so, and oh, then they start, you know, having... You're talking about you know, really causing some conflict. Right? Yes. Yeah. So, now that's... Right. An, so... Yeah. Mm. Uh, and, it, and all 
show invisible loyalties, believe it or not. Everything you just said is invisible loyalty because whatever we grew up in, we expect our life to be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Think about that. Whatever you were exposed to, you expect your life to be. And unless you make a conscious choice to perhaps do the exact opposite, such as maybe somebody who grew up in a, in a an impoverished family where they couldn't have things, they may tend to overindulge a child. Uh, if you know, once they start to have their children, maybe they've had a certain amount of financial success, so they are overly indulgent to their children because they felt deprived as a child. I, I think there has to be a a balance or an understanding of what unconditional love is, and unconditional love does not mean overindulgence. And maybe some parents have a difficulty understanding how to express unconditional love but not to overindulge a child. And at the same time, like you're saying, if a child requests something, they understand, you know, why they're not giving it if they are, and if they are giving it, you know, they understand it's something that you hope will enhance their well-being or even their health or whatever the case may be. I've seen parents stress over not being able to give their child some expensive game or toy, and, and it's almost like they're afraid the child's going to be mad at them. And I know that when they reach that point, there's an imbalance there. You know, it shouldn't ever be that right. you, you fear you're going to lose the loss of love of your child because you can't buy them this thing or you feel like a failure as a parent. So that had to have been instilled somewhere, I don't know. But also, from the past. Yeah, apparently from the past, but this is why I think the concept of unconditional love has to be part of what a child grows up with. Whether you give them something or not, they know, they feel that you never stop loving them. So whatever you do, it's done in love, whether it's, withholding something that you think is harmful, like, they, okay, I want those five pieces of candy. Well, no, because your teeth are forming. I don't want you having cavities, so no, you can't have them. I love you, therefore I'm going to protect your teeth, as opposed to a no, you can't have it. And the child just, you know, crying, oh, and then you slap them because they want it and they're crying. You know, that's usually the pattern. And they don't have understanding as to why you're not only denying them but then angry because they expressed upset that they didn't have what they wanted. And we go through that, that pattern without children ever understanding why they're denied something and parents being angry when their children respond to not receiving something, punishing the child for being upset about it instead of patiently explaining and then letting the child express whatever their emotion is. But, you know, if, we, if we're firm in our decision that this is something that's harmful for you, and we stand our ground, and we're at peace with it. I don't know. Is that is that a teachable tool for parents, knowing how to be unconditionally loving and at the same time showing wisdom as to when they're giving and when they're withholding something from a child? Absolutely, but that's only if they're healed. Oh. See, a lot of times the parents are not healed. They're not healed. They're, they're traumatized in their own stuff from their own childhood. So, again, if the Super Bowl clearly says, they become the thing that they eat the most. And mm. it's in unconsciously. That means you ain't conscious of it. Half the time people are not conscious that they're screaming and yelling of their kids. They just do it by impulse. Yeah. They do it by impulse. They don't know the damages of the, you know, they don't know the damaging effects of screaming, yelling, cursing, putting down, 
you know, shut your bad ass down. Excuse my friends, you know. But that's you know, what folks say to their children. Going on and on and on and on. <laughs> you know, say because it's normal to them. We know that culturally. Y'all heard that even in the grocery store. You could, you could be in the grocery store and hear, and hear a mom screaming, yelling at her kids. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you come back and you go over there and ask her, why are you screaming and yelling at your kids? You better mind your so and so and so business. Okay. Because 
you know, uh, you can talk about trauma all day long, but when you start reliving trauma, mm. that is called PTSD. That's it. We relive the trauma, right? We relive, we relive the trauma the because trauma. of our impulses and our nervous system has become adapted to the trauma. Wow. So now any, any loud sound, anything could trigger us. Even in the middle of the night, we can have a dream. And we knew, we know that to be productive right. and true. Right, and people wake up when, screaming. Yeah. Uh, right, where the uh, if a person had an accident or a veteran that was in the war or anything, you can have a dream that will make that will wake you up traumatized. That's, that's right, because wow. you get triggered from the dream. Yeah. And it's only because the nervous system remembers, and the body keeps the score. Every cell on your body remembers. We call it epigenetics transfer of energy from from that traumatized area experience that time and then constantly recycling that's what it is it's a recycling wow right that's so how do we how do we uh you know because i want to spend these last few minutes talking yeah. about regeneration because mm. that's this part that we didn't talk about right we got to take one last quick our cellular Yes. We gotta take one last quick you break. Take a break and, and then we got another okay. call on the line. Uh and we'll be right back after this quick break. So we just want you to stick and stay. Okay. Don't stray away. We'll be back in a moment. No problem. Stay with us. Do you wanna live in a world without war? Join our global peace movement. Heavenly culture world peace restoration of light transcends culture, religion ideology, and other boundaries to achieve a peaceful harmony in the global society. HWPL is committed to bringing world peace and cessation of war through peaceful dialogue between religious groups. I am Director Shin Suk Kim of the HWPL Chicago branch of North America. Join us for our next gathering. Call 773-580-580. 1501 and be a part of the movement for world peace. Email us at chicagohwpl at gmail.com. Hi, this is John Alexander. And I'm Naima Latif. Meet people like you who are making a positive difference in the world. Big difference. Watch us every day on the Media Connection at www.youtube.com slash the Media Connection TV. YouTube it. We'll see you soon. There are people who choose to make a positive difference in the world. Our job is to bring you their stories to motivate you to do the same. Join us each week, host John Alexander and Naima Latif, as we bring you the educators, entertainers, elected officials, religious leaders, and community activists whose works are transforming this world. Find out how you can make a difference, too. Be inspired. Watch the Media Connection. Mondays at 5 p.m. and Tuesdays at 12 noon on Cable TV Channel 19 in Chicago. and other cities, check your local cable listings. Grand Rising, introduce yourself to our listening and viewing audience, and if a question or comment for 
Dr. Debbie Green. Well, greetings, Dr. Debbie Green, and assalamu alaikum to you, Sister Naima, and this is Elder Kwame calling you from uh, Edenton, Georgia. And, you know, this is an excellent Kwame topic. Kwame Georgia. <laughs> yep. Kwame from Georgia. Anyway, we made it through the, the storm. The thing that I'm yes. hearing is this. Yeah. Right. And the thing that I'm hearing, and it's an excellent topic, invisible loyalty. And the thing that I'm looking at is that we're, we're taught how to be loyal to certain things. And even in the training of our children in school, we send them to public school. And the first thing that they learn is, and it's kind of funny that you're picking this topic, and it was in August of 1892 that Francis Bellamy created what most youth use has to say when they enter into school is, I pledge allegiance to the to my mm. flag of the republic, which it stands, one nation, indivisible with liberty. So the thing is, is that you're, you're, you're taught to make an allegiance, and this is a part that we look at is do we have an allegiance to our parents, and how is that by what you said earlier was unconditional love. Children come into the world needing, you know, your time and your love your time and your love, all the other little things that you, you give them that, that provide for them to nurture them is given. But the importance in how you spend that time with them and how do you give that love to them creates the direction in which that child will go and how it will see you when it becomes older. Will it be loyal to you or do I don't want to go to my mama's house because they, they got chaos and all of this. So it's in the way, and Dr. Debbie talked about epigenetics. You know, what were the traumas that we had? Because there's a lot of uh, indigenous people now looking at decolonization because we were colonized here on this, this Turtle Island, and we were programmed to have a certain loyalty to certain economic standards in the way that we, we, we were allowed to have certain privileges and not have privileges. And these are things in which we have to look at how do we decolonize this, this colonization and how do we decolonize education, decolonize our diet, how do we understand how to eat sovereign food? You know, the, these are ways in which we have to begin to reprogram the programmers because we've all been programmed. This is why we, we used to get the TV guide in the Sunday paper is because we want to see how we want to be programmed. There you go. <laughs> how we want to be programmed because that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you I, know, Debbie, and she's given excellent ways in which, and especially the part in acknowledging your present, because when we learn to stay in the present, the gift of now, and now is the word, because if you turn the word around, is that you own now and you've won. All three of those words is in that word now. Own. Own who you are. 
in the present moment. You've won this moment, and you own, you know, these are the ways in which we begin to rewire our neural net. I definitely agree. You know, uh, Baba Kwame said something about the, the, the colonization situation, and yet we're talking about helping people live in the now. I think that's one of the biggest steps we have to take as people whose ancestors have gone through a traumatic experience. But we are not now living that experience. We have memories of it. We have people who might be unpleasant to us. But there is nobody forcing us at gunpoint to stay on a, planca- on a plantation and pick cotton and be whipped if we don't pick it fast enough. No one's doing that. In fact, no one's really stopping us from figuring out a product or service we can sell at our own leisure time and with our own efforts and go into an independent business and be our own boss. No one's stopping us from doing that at all. So for us to keep reliving the trauma of forced labor is damaging and unnecessary. We are not now in that experience. That is not our identity. That's not even our reality. So why are we recreating it? And can we learn to stop recreating that experience and reliving a trauma that really was not our own personal trauma but might be recorded in our cells, our cellular memory, yet we have the power to create another cellular memory and let that one go. So, Dr. Debbie, what what are your thoughts on that? And, of course, you know, the epigenetics that we keep carrying on. Well, um, I can clearly tell you by evidence, and everyone knows this, that one uh, constantly relives the same traumatic, enslaved mindset of of an ancestral experience. Um, because it is wherever you are enslaved at is is what you're reliving it at. So you know the invisible loyalties of that that enslaved mentality is going back into the victim mentality. So mm-hmm. the victim mentality clearly states. You know, I live victimized by my past, and then I now live my past because I am victimized and enslaved by it. I live it mentally, emotionally, physically, you know, even spiritually, even unconscious or conscious of this thing that I'm dealing with with me. And then then guess what? I then protrude that action, that, that behavior, that energy outside of myself up into my own. And that's how these things are duplicated and recycled. All experiences is nothing but recycled energy, Mm. recycled thoughts, recycled Mm -hmm. experiences. Now, they're either going to be functional or dysfunctional. One of our uh, viewers on Facebook are actually one of
what it is. Right. It could be the worst, the best, or the extremely ugly, but you still love it. Yeah. You still accept it for what it is. Now, accept how many people it. that walk this earth do that? Very little people, right? Where, where, where do you it see it demonstrated? Where, where do we see it demonstrated okay, to even know what it mind. looks like? Yes. Yes. It, it takes it, a broad mind. It takes a very broad mind to look at it from the from the beginning all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm saying to the, from longevity to acute, which is short term, uh, looking at it like, you know, and it also takes a person that's very confident with themselves because most people, it's very difficult for them to accept anything if they – if they don't accept themselves, they 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 comparison. We do comparison. Oh, I'm not like that. So oh, that's different. I'm not accepting that because that doesn't make any sense. It may not make any sense to you, but that doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. you you then get into this prejudgment type of mindset. You start judging something. Unconditional love has no judgment. Right. At all. Right. And so if you remove the judgment, then you can put the unconditional love in its proper position. That means that I accept you despite what you are. You see what I'm saying? Not to pity you, not to make you feel victimized or unaccepted. I'm just going to meet you where you are. You know, you you meet people where they are because this is all they have. If that's all they know, that's all they know. Most people have an issue uh, giving love because they may only know how to give you 30%, but you're giving 100 right. So you're not going to feel that love was balanced. Well, and most- then you get upset. Why you can't love me the way I love you? Because they don't know how mm-hmm. to love because of something that happened in their life, something that they experienced. And who's to say who knows how to love? Because there none of us that met that match. Well, you know, we, we we would like our parents to give us unconditional love, but parents can't do that because they've been raised with conditional love. I'll love you if you obey me. I'll love you if you do as I ask. I'll love you if you don't make mistakes. I'll love you if you look the way I want you to look. I'll love you if you say what I want you to say. I'll love you if you are doing something that will be acceptable to the society. I won't love you if you do something that disappoints me. I, if, if you get pregnant and you don't have the spouse that I wanted you to have, I will shun you. Uh, if you uh, fail in school, I will shun you. If you get overweight and uh, are physically uh, not healthy and appealing, to look at, I will shun you. I mean, this, these are the messages that we give our children. This is the way we treat our children. So what they learn is conditional love. I love you only if you yeah. please me. Otherwise, I will not treat you well. I will, I will snub you. I will, I will ignore your right. needs and your wants because love is right. conditional. Love has to be earned. That's, that's what we're taught, and that's what we're believing and so if a person grew up that way, that's all they have to give. That's all they know. Well, that, that's, well again, you know, that may, it is the case, but, again, they have to have self-awareness at some given point. And most people, most people visit self-awareness, but they don't live self-awareness. Mm. You know, you're aware that you may have a cut, a paper cut on your finger, 
Mm-hmm. Okay, that's because it caused you pain. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But then once it, once you know it's there, then you ignore it. Mm-hmm. Unless it starts to hurt again. Mm-hmm. Pain is the only thing that keeps us conscious, believe it or not, unfortunately. Think about that. So it pain, only, pain only gets our attention. Conscious. <laughs> Conscious, conscious, conscious. Oh, I am in pain. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to feel pain when I am in pain. Mm-hmm. But what about the pain that I got used to a long time ago, years ago, over and over mm-hmm. again from my childhood that I have adapted to? Uh, I have adapted to this pain. Now, guess what? I don't even feel this pain consciously anymore. Now, the invisible loyalties have taken over me. Mm-hmm. The invisible loyalties of the things I've had in my past that, that I experienced, the things that tore me down that I no longer wanted that I thought I couldn't, you know, get through, now I became it, and now it's laying dormant inside of me. Okay, so is it going to cause a problem? Absolutely. I call it the volcano that has not erupted yet, okay? I call it a, a breathing, walking time, uh, you know, time machine that's waiting to actually a time bomb. We see them all the time. We see them all the time on the news. On circular, on circular media, secular media, all of it, social media, we see it all the time. With the invisible loyalties become so infested mm. to the point it becomes toxic and then takes over the identity of another human being. Wow. All right. And if people think that's not real, pay attention. Pay attention. Mm. Pay attention. Catch it when it smiles. I'm not saying that to everybody. I'm just telling you this is what happened. Because guess what? That was a child in a woman's womb one day mm. that came to earth as a baby. Yes. All right. Yes. That's the way that person started off, just like all of us. Yes. We all started off the same way. So what happened? What happened? What happened? How did they become to that infested non feeling person to take lives, to take lives by their own hand, not just by somebody else's hand, their own hand. What what happened? We see it every day. We see it every day, people. We see mothers killing children, children killing mothers, fathers killing themselves and killing their families. We see it every day, right? Okay. This is the reason why I do this show. I do this show to help people who are maybe in the mildest state or may mm. see some dysfunction around them mm. or may have experienced something that they say, oh, no, that ain't nothing. They're going to No, be aware of your surroundings. Wow. Because someone could be festering and in toxicity due to experiencing trauma from their past that has not been dealt with, has not been solved, that has no resolve, no solution, mm. and they're still living it. And just because they're quiet doesn't mean they're not experiencing it. Wow. Because quiet death is the most dangerous death of all. Wow. Quiet death. So how do we deal with the fact that so many people are walking time bombs? And I think that's where a lot of the paranoia is coming because these things erupt out of seemingly nowhere, but of course, as you pointed out, it is somewhere. It's It's been there. It's that pain they've been ignoring, but it's festering and something happens to trigger to expose or whatever. Or maybe whatever happens, they, they are now planning this assault of a group of people and they carry it out methodically. 
and when it happened, everybody was taken by surprise. So there, there's a rising paranoia that this could happen at any moment, and yet we can't live like that because then we'll all be paranoid and all end up in some state of mental illness. So how do we inject, I guess for lack of a better term, positive vibrations wherever we go? So even if somebody's on the edge, we can be somebody that kind of pushes them away from the edge and helps them toward healing just by our presence. What do you, what do you suggest? Well, you know, again, if you ever see an opportunity of somebody that's in pain, and, and of course, you know, people, again, suffer in silence. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you can have somebody right next to you. They could be your family members, your best friend, or whatever, and they could be suffering in silence, and they don't they don't tell people that they're suffering. Right. So, you know, it, it's always like, you know, we say positive, empowering things. Like, you know, uh, you know I know people that you just be having a conversation uh, in it all, and you may notice that someone's having some discomfort. And you're going to say, you know, this too shall pass. Stay positive. You know, not only that, you know, stay empowered. You know, take care of yourself. I know you can do it. You know, you're not alone in your journey. You know, and, you know, just, just saying something. Yeah. Saying something because the world we live in right now, Naima, is festering. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it's not the the world; it's also the, the inhabitants of the world yeah. of this place called Earth. Okay. And they're, they're festering. They're toxic to each mm-hmm. other, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, because the love is waxing cold, as you can see that, and that's in the Word of God. It said, "Do not let your love wax cold." Wax. Think about wax. Wax. If it don't have no fire, it's solid. Is cold and it doesn't burn, but if it, when it has fire in it, it's pliable, it's, it's melting, and it's, and it's illuminating. So, you know, we, we want to uh, spread love as much as we can by education, by empowerment, by emotion, by inspiration, by affirmation, by declaration. Any way you can get it out of out there in yourself, especially, because when you walk around it in yourself, it's going to protrude out of you. It's going to literally come out of you to another human being. I do it all the time. <laughs> it's just a reaction. So just yeah. be encouraged. Again, look back on your life. Look at those areas that's dysfunctional and, and be aware. Be aware of what you got going on inside of you. Mm. Is it productive? Yeah. Don't pretend like it's not there. If it's not productive, if you know it's broken, fix, fix it. it. Get healing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just act like it's not there, because thing yeah. the thing about this is, at some given issue in your tissue. Mm. So true. Be encouraged. Thank you, YouTube, for watching. Please subscribe to our channel. Again, we want to hear from you. Uh, Rise is coming. R I S E. Yeah. Teaching inwardly spiritual pirate. Launch date is September fifteenth. I'm excited about that because I'm going to be doing a lot of Facebooking and YouTubing and Instagram. So be encouraged. I love you. Stay blessed. We've come to the end of our show today. But you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution. 
You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash thefemalesolution. Leave your comments about today's show. You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows, listen to our radio shows, order our books, and be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Alingato, Korea, Kamsanida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, John Kujun, France, Merci, Spain, Gracias, Italy, Grazie, Egypt, Shukran, Ghana, Medasi, Nigeria, Eshe, South Africa, Ngiabonga, Senegal, Jared, Kenya, Asante, Israel, Toda, Pakistan, Shukriya, Afghanistan, Tashakur, Saudi Arabia, Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you, and may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessing.